Welcome to An Amber A Day, the podcast all about functional nutrition for PCOS. I'm Amber Fisher, a certified nutrition specialist and licensed dietitian nutritionist, and I have training in functional medicine. I also have PCOS, and on this podcast, we discuss PCOS in depth, the nutrition strategies for it, as well as the realities of living with it and making this lifestyle work. For further guidance and meal plan support, you can check out the show notes for links to my PCOS courses and programs. And if this podcast helps you, please do me a favor and leave me a review. Thank you so much for being here. Let's get into today's episode. On this podcast, we talk about all things functional nutrition, fertility, autoimmunity, and women's health, along with other lifestyle topics that sound interesting to you guys. We cover it all. So thanks for joining me. I believe this is episode 29, if I'm not mistaken, that I'm recording right now. So that's really exciting. Um, I always like to start the podcast off by talking a little bit about me, what I've been up to in my personal life and my business life. Um, So the biggest thing right now, I think I mentioned to you last time, is that I'm working on a big new project with my friend Gabby, who is also a nutritionist, and we are working on uh, something called Eat With Us, which is going to be a kind of a restaurant show where two nutritionists go to restaurants and show you guys what nutritionists eat at restaurants. So we sort of felt like um, a lot of our clients you know, for whatever reason, either need to eat out more often than maybe they would like to, or just want to have some flexibility in their lives. Um, You know, I know for me personally, I work with a lot of people who I do have on strict elimination protocols or strict, you know, autoimmune-based diets, and eating out becomes very difficult for them. And so, um, you know, obviously in some ways there are like some things that we can't do anything about. However, a lot of people um, that I work with do have more flexibility than I think they think they have and um, can make things work a little bit more. So we just kind of want to show you the ways that we navigate menus and how we make it work for us for a decent, healthy lifestyle. So that's what Eat With Us is all about. So if that sounds interesting to you, um, then definitely uh, check it out. I'll put in the show notes um, how you can find Eat With Us. Um, Let's see, what's been going on? What's been going on? So mostly with mostly we're working on that. So we've been filming, um, calling different places. Um, we've got a great team of people kind of helping us get everything up and running. Um, we are definitely a little in over our heads with the prep for it. We'd like need a camera person and I've been doing the editing myself and obviously a professional editor would be great. Um, so that's that. So there's a lot going on behind the scenes with that. And then as well, I'm working behind the scenes with a designer on doing kind of a um, branding redesign, kind of a new website and um, stuff like that. Just getting it something just a little bit more um, streamlined and a little bit more in line with what my image is. Um, now, you know, something I think with nutritionist stuff, the tendency is always to choose like the color green, right? Cause green is healthy, but everybody else is doing that. And I green, I love the color green. I love colors. I'm a big colors person, but you know, when it comes to like what colors I feel like represent me best, I mean, here I am, right? Like, as you can see, like, I love the color red. I love the color white. Um, I like black. So sue me. 
I love black. Um, grays. I love the color of like leather. <laughs> you know that leather color? Um, that kind of like camely color. Ooh, I love that. So the combination of those. So I'm working with a, a great designer. We're kind of just trying to get like me and my personality into my brand more. Um, and that is very exciting for me. Uh, so that's been fun. And then my baby Calvin and I have been having a lot of good times. He's been in a real good mood lately. So we've just been having fun, like getting out of the house. We go to the mall. There's an outdoor mall here in San Antonio called La Cantera. And we like to go there a lot, walk around. Um, you know, yesterday we went and met Gabby to do some planning on um, our upcoming episode of Eat With Us. And I went and treated myself to one of those chocolate chip cookies from the Nordstrom Cafe. Those are so good. Oh my gosh. And I let him have a little bit because I'm just that kind of mom that lets their kid have a little bit, just a little bit of sugar. I just don't, I don't want to be the type of mom that's like, you can never ever eat anything unhealthy ever. Because I think that sets kids up for um, difficulties later with like navigating balance. But then I also don't want to be the kind of mom who's like, yeah, just eat whatever. Here, eat it. So we shared a chocolate chip cookie. Um, he loved it. I loved it. And it was just a really cute, sweet moment. So if you ever wondered, do nutritionists eat cookies sometimes? Yes, we do. We are real people too. And um, shout out to the Nordstrom Eat Cafe. Because y'all be doing it. Um, okay, so... That's personal life stuff. I don't think there's really a ton of new things going on since I record a podcast every week. There's like, you know, you guys get the point. I work, I raise my baby, and, uh, you know, I think the biggest thing right now that is just like really exciting to me is that we're coming up on the end of the year for me as a nutritionist. Uh, those of you who are studying nutrition and planning to open private practices, one thing you'll realize is that as, uh, as you kind of get into the rhythm of being a nutritionist, it's funny because um, every December, it's like crickets, right? So the longer I'm in practice and the more name I make for myself, the less problem I have with this. But when I was first getting started, boy, it was like October and after, it was just nothing going on, right? And now, you know, I'm, I'm like, in, I've been in practice now. I think I'm like entering my sixth year of practice. I have to do the math, but um, now it's like, well, I always have people kind of in the pipeline, like interested in getting started, right? So, but it is still with my current clients, sort of a quiet time. I think people in general in December don't think too much about nutrition. You know, we're thinking more about family. We're thinking more about the holidays. We're thinking more about delicious things. We're not so much caught up and consumed with like weight or image or anything like that. So um, it's just a time to enjoy yourself, right? And a lot of people I think are afraid of um, being honest with me at this time of the year. And so they sort of hide from me, um, which is fine. You know, because for me, what I do with that is I'm like, okay, because I go, go, go all year long. And then in December, I allow myself a break. I allow myself a few weeks off to just do fun stuff that sounds good to me. 
Um, it's still work, but it's the fun work, right? It's all the creative stuff. I love. I write and I plan and I vision build and um, and I just like chill too, you know, because I need some time to chill out as well. I need some weeks where I'm not working all evening long. Um, and so that's that's what I'm about to come up on. Um, I believe my last client for the year is um, this evening, actually. So I may be wrong about that, but it's, you know, it's really like we're reaching the end. And so then I'm going to take a few weeks off before um, getting into the craziness of January. And um, I have found that typically January is, uh, it's busy, but it's not as busy as February, March, and April. Uh, so, you know, hopefully I can like ease into it because going from a break to going straight into like, ah, New Year's resolutions can be a little bit um, jarring for me. But, um, you know, this year I've already got January mostly booked out. I've got some great clients who are waiting on test results over the Christmas season here and we're going to get started with everything in January. So I'm really excited about what next year looks like for my practice and just really excited for the ways that um, 2020 has kind of grown things. So it's a long-winded, um, we're at minute 10 now and I haven't even gotten started on today's topic, but I wanted to just kind of um, talk to you all about, um, you know, what we were talking about this last week on Instagram, so sleep. And I wanted to expand a little bit on um, the topic of sleep, I did do an Instagram TV video where I went into a fair amount of detail. So um, if you guys um, want to watch that as well, you're welcome to. But today I wanted to talk about how I organize my life for better sleep, how I recommend that clients do that. And then um, from there, you know, talking about maybe some deeper issues that may be going on if your sleep is still not sort of organizing itself correctly. So. One thing I hear a lot is I have clients come in and they're like, gosh, I'm trying everything. You know, I'm doing all the tips, right? I'm doing all the proper stuff, but sleep is still just eluding me. I cannot seem to sleep well. And a lot, in a lot of cases, that's connected to um, your nutrient status. It's connected to health conditions and things like that. So I want to talk today about kind of more of that deeper stuff that might be going on. Um, but first, before we do that, I want to talk about, you know, the typical sleep stuff, like nutritionist recommendations for getting better sleep, because the average person needs to know these things. And if you are having trouble sleeping and you're not incorporating all these things, these are things that you need to start with. It's really tempting, especially when you're like in the functional nutrition world to like go straight to cortisol or go straight to, you know, neurotransmitter imbalances or whatever. Um, but sometimes if we just don't have these fundamental basics lined up, then we're going to have issues. And, um, so we need to look at the fundamental basics. So what are the fundamental basics? Well, first of all, an appropriate sleep routine. I mean, that's huge, right? So, uh, what does sleep routine look like? It looks different for everybody, but I think anything that gets you in the mood to sleep. So, um, things that tend to work well for people reading a, um, somewhat boring book before bed. If you're a reader like I am, don't be reading a thriller or like a true crime novel or um, anything that's too like good or exciting. You know, do your kind of like, uh, not work related, but you're sort of like, maybe you're like self-help or um, I don't know, you're kind of wind down reading before bed. 
So uh, if you are a big reader, you know, save the save the crazy stuff for for earlier in the day. But um, that is something that that often helps people kind of getting out of the mode of being on the phone, being on the watching TV, you know, all that kind of stuff and getting into looking at something that's a little bit less stressful in the eyes. Some people like a nice warm bath that's helpful or showering or whatever. Um, I'll tell you what I do. Okay. Because I think that may be more interesting to you than just talking about potential routines. Right. Uh, first of all, there's two things. Number one, I have a sleep routine for my baby. And I think it's, it's worth talking about this just because as much as we like to think that as adults, we're more in control of our schedule than babies are really ba I mean, baby sleep training kind of like definitely works on adults. So we would be wise to, to take some of the, um, some of the things from that. So here's what I do for Calvin before he goes to bed. First of all, I tell him it's time to go night night, you know, we're going to do sleepy times. And then we go into his room, we close the curtains together, we turn on his sound machine, he sleeps to the sound of raindrops, um, which he loves. And um, the sound machine has like a little light, I make sure to put the light on an orange tone because orange tone is, is um, more soothing for sleep and doesn't kind of trigger us into thinking it's daylight. So we put on an orange tone for sleep. And then we, um, I put him in like a, I change his diaper, put him in a little sleep suit. It's like a little sack that he sleeps in. It's like a blanket. So, cause you know, he's, he's not old enough to understand how to cover himself up with a blanket and then lay him down in his crib and, uh, and put him, um, to bed. And sometimes I sing him a song or read a book before we go down. It just kind of depends on if it's a nap or if it's, it's bedtime and he goes right to sleep. Um, cause I do it in the same order every single time. Right? So for me as the adult, this is what I try to do because I do work into the evening. And I know right now with COVID and a lot of people working from home, there's a lot of working in the evening, right? A lot of us are kind of getting into this like very foggy place with like, where are our boundaries and when are we off and when are we not off? Um, so I'm definitely in that boat. So what I try to do is be done with work related things by 8 PM. Um, I, you know, I will still be on my phone, but I'm not doing anything, um, work related past 8 PM. I don't know. I stick to that hundred percent. I'll be honest, but that's really my goal. Um, then I like to, um, I also like to be done with TV by 8 PM. So I tend to watch TV while I work kind of like multitasking thing. I don't like, I don't know if this is like a thing that is a consequence of smartphones, but ever since I got a smartphone back in the day, you know, I just can't sit still and just watch TV anymore. I don't know you guys who are about my age, like, or older, remember we used to just like hang out on the couch and like watch TV, you know, we could just sit there and watch it or we'd hang out on the couch, you know, we watch a movie and it wasn't like a big deal. You didn't feel like you were like bored, but now it's like, gosh, I cannot just sit still and just watch this. I have to be doing something with my hands. I have to be like on my phone too, or I have to be knitting or whatever it may be. So, um, I think that's, you know, our brains 
And this is one reason why people struggle with sleep so much is that our brains are just like wired differently now. They're like wired to go to do more and to, to multitask more than they used to. Um, we know that smartphones are actually changing the, you know, the dynamics of our brain and our patience levels and things like that. So it's, it's kind of an interesting thing and it'll be interesting to see as the future rolls on the changes that'll happen. But um, at 8 p.m. I try to try to be done with TV, not watching it anymore, kind of either if my husband's watching it, then I like either go somewhere else or I just don't look at it or whatever, but I'm not engaged with the TV anymore and preferably it's turned off because it does emit that blue light that I don't want um, in my face at night. And then I, um, I try to only do fun stuff. So if I'm on my phone, which I, you know, typically will be on my phone until like at least nine, you know, then I'm doing like fun social media, not work social media, fun social media. So I'm like checking up on my friends and family on Facebook. I'm like watching YouTube videos. I'm just like, you know, whatever it is that I feel like doing, I'm doing that. Um, and uh, perhaps working on a project or something like that. Then about nine o'clock, this is when I really start winding down for bed because I like to be, try to fall asleep by 10, 1030 every night. So, um, and my baby goes down at eight, by the way. So he's, he goes down at eight and then it's like my time. Um, so this is when I, I move to my bedroom. I like get in my jammies. I do my face routine where I like, you know, wash my face and use my anti-aging serums <laughs> and stuff. Because I'm 32 now, guys, and we gotta we gotta keep it, you know, keep the face nice. I'm trying to freeze my face like this. Um, so I do my routine with all that, take my makeup off, get in my jammies, and then I get in my cozy bed. And it's very important that your bed be cozy. I make sure my room is nice and cold. I have a fan on because um, I like the white noise from the fan. And then I either um, read a book. Or um, usually that's what I do is I read a book until I, I'm going to go to sleep. Sometimes I'll be on like something very light like Pinterest. Okay. Not even social media. At that point, I really try to put all social media away because even happy social media can be anxiety causing. Like if I see something annoying or frustrating or political or whatever before bed, like it gets me like, ugh, it gets me like riled up, you know? Um, so I try not to look because, you know... <laughs> Our friends and family on that Facebook. I'll tell you what, sometimes I see stuff and I'm like, oh my gosh, I just don't even want to look at this right now. And it gets me annoyed. So I try not to look at any of that um, past like a certain time of night. And instead, I'll do something very light, like I'll watch YouTube videos or I will um, read a book, you know, one of those two things until I start feeling sleepy. And the minute I start feeling sleepy and my eyes start like wanting to close, that is when I will actually um, go to sleep. So even if it's not quite 1030 or 10 yet, if it's 945 and I'm feeling sleepy, that's when I'm going to turn the light off and go to bed because I am very, very susceptible to um, cortisol swings. Like I have for a long time had a cortisol rhythm issue that I've, you know, tried to correct. And so it's very important for me to kind of like keep that peace and keep that balance with my cortisol. And, um, you know, I, I'm very susceptible to like getting anxiety at night if I don't like take care of my routine properly. So, okay. So that's routine. 
Um, another couple things that are really important to mention before we start talking about deeper sleep issues. Blue light. If you have a TV on in your bedroom, ooh, that is bad. Um, but even in your living room, and it's past a certain time of night, or if your phones are in your face and you don't have a blue light filter on them, this is where we run into problems. Your body makes melatonin, which is like a sleep-inducing chemical, based on how much light is in its face. And the most important kind of light is blue light, because blue light mimics sunlight. So this is why people often try to take melatonin, right? Because they're like, okay, so we know that melatonin is supposed to make us sleepy, and that's about all we know about it. But really what happens with melatonin is that your body, as you get, as, as the light gets dim, starts to make this melatonin, and then that makes you sleepy. And then from there, um, you know, you produce more and more until you finally go to bed. And of course, that's not the only thing going on, right? Like there are a lot of different processes that are sort of trying to wind down in the evening. But melatonin is part of the process. But taking... Hey, quick question for you. Are you someone who wants to be fit, healthy, and happy? And what if I told you you could get your dream body by simply just listening to a podcast? I'm Josh. And I'm KG. And we are the hosts of the Fit, Healthy, and Happy podcast. Listen, we get it. Fitness isn't easy. Carbs, no carbs. Just stop, okay? It doesn't have to be that complicated. And that's why we made this podcast. We get straight to the facts so you can become your best you. So the way to check us out is click the link in the show notes or search Fit, Healthy, and Happy podcast on any of the major podcast platforms. We'll see you soon. time that you've got your phone and you've got your computer and you've got your TV and they're all blasting blue light at you is not going to do much, right? It's not going to overcome that. So we have to be really careful about filtering out that blue light. So there are different ways to do this. I prefer to use apps that will do that. So on my phone, I always have the blue light filter on and I keep it on all day because I'm susceptible to like migraines and eye strain and stuff because I have blue eyes. So I really like, you know, try to just keep that on all the time. Um, my computer, I have this program called Flux, which I'll link to in the show notes, but it automatically changes the light on my computer based on what time of day it is. As far as I know, there's no way to do this on the TV, but this is why I say you need to turn your TV off at a certain point. Um, you know, definitely don't have it in your bedroom, but I would say at least an hour before bed, preferably a few hours before bed, especially if you're having sleep troubles, you need to turn the TV off because that is emitting a lot of blue light. Um, so it's important to do that. Now, if you're not going to do that with the TV, like if you like to watch TV right until the minute you go to bed, then you can get these glasses. They're super dorky looking, but they block blue light, blue light filtering glasses. I'll link to some in the show notes as well. Um, and so, you know, you can start wearing those at a certain time of night, maybe 8 PM or whenever, you know, three hours before you're going to go to bed. And that should help your body to kind of get the signal that we need to make melatonin and we need to kind of get to sleep. Um, it's also really important to block light out of your bedroom, especially if you live in the city. Um, and you know, if you've ever had trouble sleeping during a full moon, this is part of what's going on here is there's so much light pouring in through your curtains. It makes it difficult to sleep. So, um, having curtains that really make the room really, really dark, as dark as you can get it in there is going to help you get better sleep. Um, also making sure your room is nice and cool. Some studies have shown that if the room is like about 65 degrees and you're sleeping with a, a thicker blanket, you get better sleep than if the room is warmer and you're sleeping with a lighter blanket. There's something that the human body likes to be kind of bundled up and cozy. 
Um, and that is, you know, very helpful. So uh, let's see what else. Okay, a few nutrition related things that I think are important to, to mention here. Um, stop drinking water past at least 8 p.m. Definitely be diligent about getting staying hydrated, but don't drink all your water at night. Um, the later you drink water, the more likely you're going to have to wake up in the bathroom in the middle of the night to go to the bathroom, which is very difficult on people who have trouble sleeping because if you're a light sleeper in particular, that, that waking up, you know, is going to make it harder for you to fall back asleep. Um, a lot of people, if they wake up like past a certain time of night, like for me, it's 5 a.m. If I wake up at five to go to the bathroom, I'm not going back to sleep. You know what I mean? So, um, we really need to make sure that we are setting ourselves up for success as much as possible. You can't prevent having to get up and go to the bathroom to, you know, an extreme degree, but you can at least like set yourself up to not have that problem. Um, it's also really important that if you are waking up to go to the bathroom a lot and you're not drinking a lot of water at night, like that can be a sign of blood sugar issues or some other nutritional stuff. So, you know, you might want to ask your doctor about it just to be like totally safe, maybe get some blood work run, check your A1C, all that. Um, if you are on a diet, if you are in a weight loss protocol and you are having trouble sleeping at night, one potential thing that can help eating some carbs before bed or at least with dinner. So I actually set up my weight loss protocols like this with clients because I found that even though circadian rhythm wise, we will lose more weight if we eat most of our carbs earlier in the day for sleep purposes, we actually sleep better if we have a little bit more carb at dinner. So, um, cause carbs produce serotonin in the gut. And so that is like a feel good hormone makes you or neurotransmitter. I'm sorry. It makes you feel good. makes you feel relaxed. Um, especially if you've been on a weight loss protocol, that can be very, um, very stressful on your system. It can produce a lot of like, um, uh, what's the word that I'm thinking? Adrenaline, right? And so you're kind of like on this upper sort of thing. Now, sometimes the opposite is happening where people are like, they sleep better than they've ever slept. They're like really, really tired at the end of the night. If that's you like go with it, that's great. But sometimes for women, especially if there are some cortisol issues or something going on and we're trying to lose weight at the same time, then, uh, the carb balance during the day can make it more difficult to sleep at night. So one little suggestion would be if you're having trouble falling asleep at night because you're so hungry, um, is maybe just bump up your carbs a little bit in the evening. So have half a sweet potato or something like that with dinner and see if that helps you sleep better. I've found that it helps me at least and it helps a lot of my clients. Uh, another lovely tip from the no alcohol nutritionist, Amber Fisher. It's not to say that I don't drink alcohol, but alcohol does impact your sleep a lot, even just a glass of wine. So I would highly recommend that if you are having trouble sleeping and you do like to drink a glass of wine in the evening, that you um, try to cut that out and see if you start sleeping better, because I can almost guarantee it'll make a difference. Um, if it doesn't, you know, then it doesn't, right? You can just keep going back to having your glass of wine. But I do know that, you know, our livers like to process overnight. Alcohol gets processed through the liver. A lot of people wake up at 3 a.m. while their liver is processing. So there's definitely something to that. 
um, and alcohol we know can kind of impact sleep. Okay, that's the basic stuff, right? Now, let's talk about some deeper potential issues. Okay, first of all, if you are getting a second wind, so let's say that you feel tired all day or you feel normal all day, but this tends to happen in people who feel kind of tired and draggy, especially in the afternoon. And you feel like, yes, I can't wait till it's going to be time for me to go to sleep, right? And then you get to bedtime and all of a sudden your body's like, bing, like, oh, I have to do this, 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 and this. Like, here's all the things I have to do tomorrow. Uh, let me get this done. Let me get that done. Suddenly you're like imbued with all of this extra energy. If that's happening, that tends to be an indicator of cortisol imbalance issues. So cortisol, what is cortisol? Cortisol is this hormone that's produced from the adrenal glands, which are these glands that sit on top of our kidneys and they make cortisol, which is like an energy hormone, but it's also a stress hormone. So the key with cortisol is balance. We like it to be in a, in a perfect rhythm. We like it to not be too high, not too low. Um, ideally it's high as you wake up in the morning and gets to its highest point. It peaks around 10 AM or so. And then throughout the day, it sort of goes down, 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 right till before bed. It's like at its lowest point. And that's what helps make us feel sleepy that and melatonin and the other cascade of issues that are happening with sleep. Unfortunately for a lot, particularly a lot of women, but also people who have had a history of working shift work, who are in college maybe, or studying at night, any, any having jobs that you work at night, any time that you've been like, I've had a baby maybe, any time where you've been stressed out or had to be awake overnight uh, for any length of time, uh, or if you are like a woman in your mid forties to fifties, who's kind of done with raising kids, but like that's taken its toll on you. I see this a lot in women like that. So, um, there's a sort of perfect storm that can happen where we get this, uh, dysregulation with the rhythm. So instead of the, the cortisol being high in the morning, it's maybe slightly low throughout the day, but then at night, it's the rhythm is reversed. So you get your peak in the evening and that's what gives you that second wind. Um, there are variations of this, right? Like I typically don't see people who have a completely reversed rhythm unless they've had years of like maybe being a night nurse or something like that. Instead, what I often see is that the rhythm is off, right? So we've got higher than normal level at night and then we're lower than normal at other parts of the day. Eventually what this leads to is something called adrenal fatigue for a lot of women, especially. And adrenal fatigue tends to hit women like a little bit later, maybe like forties, fifties, um, sixties, you know, but it's, uh, that's when you're, when you just really can't get any cortisol going, you know? And so you're just like tired all the time. Um, so the dysregulation is sort of one of the first signs that, that we're moving in that direction. And it's important to pay attention to it and to try to take care of it as best as we can. Uh, so what do we do with that? Well, first of all, I think it's valuable to get tested because you will find that there are many, many products out there to kind of treat this issue. And, um, you typically with cortisol, we do like to treat it with supplementation 
it's not uh, it's not one of those things that diet does like a great job of fixing. Uh, diet certainly can help. Um, that's been open the whole time. <laughs> diet certainly can help. And I have seen cortisol issues sort of correct themselves when people start taking care of themselves better. And one thing about like diet is that sometimes diet kind of induces the sleepiness state and then that sleepiness state can help correct that rhythm. Uh, it's, it's interesting, but for a lot of people, if it's a true cortisol issue, it will remain and it needs to be dealt with um, and taken care of. So uh, what we want to look at is definitely testing that or else if you're working with a professional, sometimes they can go based off of symptoms and we can treat it that way. Like a lot of times I've gotten to the point where I've run so many cortisol tests that I can kind of tell what's probably going on without really looking at test results, but it's always better to look at test results. Um, and so we wanna see what the rhythm looks like on an average day, like where you're at. And then from there, we can sort of work on implementing different strategies nutritionally and with supplementation to kind of bring that back into balance. So typically what I will do is if the cortisol is high at night, then I like to have those test results in hand so that I know that I can use a supplement that will lower cortisol. So my favorite one to use is called Calm CP and it's by um, Neuroscience, uh, which is a, a a company that you can, um, you have to buy through as a professional. So you can't get it on your own. Um, anywhere but I do believe that at least okay at the recording of this you can't get it off my website yet however we are working on a store and so I will have that available in the store to purchase at some point um, however I want to give a caveat that you know I know and I was one of these people that likes to kind of treat yourself and do you know experiment with things I definitely took a lot of supplements so I'm not saying, I'm not like against that completely, but I do think it's wise to definitely work with a practitioner, at least test and know where you're at. So there is a cortisol test kit, home kit in the shop on my website right now. So you can, you know, do that. I think it's like $115 if you want to see, you know, your rhythm and they'll recommend some supplements to you, which you can, you know, take or leave those recommendations. But I particularly like to use a product in the evening that brings, that I know brings cortisol down. So there, there are products that bring cortisol down. There are products that bring cortisol up. And then there are products that, that help stabilize cortisol, right? So if you don't know what you're doing, there's a great supplement called phosphatidylserine, which is great at balancing cortisol. And so that's something that I'm like, typically will start people on say, okay, we don't know if the cortisol is too high here, too low here, or if it's within the normal range, but we're just missing some pieces or whatever. So we'll do phosphatidylserine and that kind of like helps to balance things. But if I know what's going on, then I like to use something that I, that I feel like is a little bit stronger. So I like to try to really lower the cortisol at night. Um, and then there are a lot of adaptogenic, like herbs and things like that, that are uh, beneficial for raising cortisol during the day. There are some great adaptogenic products, but you just want to be really, really careful about those because a lot of times women get into this thing where they think, well, I'm tired during the day, so I need to take something to like, I need to take these adaptogens to kind of like boost my energy level. If you're tired during the day, it's it's really much more effective to kind of look at like the whole overall encompassing adrenal balance, right? So I, I believe I did a, a podcast on this um, not too terribly long ago, all about the adrenals. And so if, if you feel like this describes you, I would recommend listening to that because I go into a lot more depth. 
but we really want to look at is the rhythm is the problem an energy problem is it a cortisol problem or is the problem a lifestyle problem are you waking up at 5 a.m to work out every single day and pushing yourself to your limits and maybe that's why you're tired in the afternoon um you know, what's your cortisol look like at night? Like, do you get the second wind at night? It might not be a good idea to take these boosters during the day if we're dealing with a problem where the cortisol is too boosted at night. It might be a better idea to do something that balances it out or potentially to lower it at night so that it can pull itself back into balance during the day. So it's a rhythm, right? And we, we sort of try to work within that rhythm. But if you're dealing with issues around energy um, and Definitely if you're having like second wind type issues or another another thing that may be going on for some people, and this is my problem, uh, if you wake up in the morning like too early, like you can't sleep in, and I'm not talking about like trying to sleep until like, you know, 11 o'clock or whatever, but like let's say it's Saturday, right? And you're on your rhythm and, and um, you like know it's your day off and instead of sleeping until like, sleeping in like an extra 30 minutes to an hour, you like wake up an hour early because you're like so excited. It's the weekend. Um, if you ever wake up with your heart kind of pounding and you're like waking up with your to-do list and you're like, Oh, I have to get all this stuff done. Like anxiety in the morning. A lot of times that can be a symptom of high cortisol in the morning, which is another kind of way that we can get dysregulated. So, um, anyway, good idea to test. If those things kind of sound like you, it might be an idea to kind of look into cortisol. I will say though, and if you listen to the adrenal podcast, I talk about this a lot. If there are adrenal issues, typically they are not the root cause. Typically adrenal issues are connected to an even deeper root cause, um, sometimes with the gut health and things like that. So it's important to look at the overall picture of your health as a person. But I have seen with women especially that there are women who just purely have adrenal issues, you know, and there's not really other things going on, or at least the other things going on aren't as major of a problem. And so if, you know, if any of that sounds like you, that's kind of where you want to move is like looking into potentially adrenal problems. Okay. Now, what's another, uh, another issue? So this is related, um, but if you feel like you can't fall asleep at night, not because you're not tired, but because your mind won't stop running and particularly if you get anxiety at night. So it's hard to describe if you've, if you've experienced both of these feelings, you'll know what I'm talking about, but high cortisol at night kind of has this element of energy. So uh, it's a little bit like if you've ever worked out in the evening and you get kind of that like high afterwards and you, or like, uh, if you've ever gone out with friends and you know how you kind of get like get going at night and then you have to wind down afterwards or until you can fall asleep, that feeling of needing to wind down, that's that feeling of high cortisol. Having low GABA, GABA is a neurotransmitter, which um, we call like the anxiety neurotransmitter, right? So having a good amount of GABA is anti-anxiety not having enough GABA, we get um, anxiety issues. This sort of issue is like more to do with the mind. So it's not so much an energy thing, but it's just you can't fall asleep because you, you know, you ha you're getting anxiety in the evening. You know, you're thinking about things you have to do. You're thinking about stuff that you talked about with so-and-so and, you know, you're feeling bad about things and it has no rhyme or reason, right? Anxiety is 
the reason anxiety is anxiety is because it doesn't play by the rules. It doesn't like, it doesn't make sense. That's not logical. That's the whole point. If it were logical, then it would be more like worry, not anxiety, right? Um, if you're struggling with this issue, I find that a lot of times this is connected to cortisol, but it's also even more so connected to gut health. Our gut health, our gut and brain are directly connected through something called the vagus nerve. And so any issues that we have mental health wise, there is a basis for gut health to help those things. That's not to say that it'll completely take them away or fix them. Some people are born with more highly anxious minds and sometimes that feeds into their ability to get things done that, you know, that makes them leaders. Like there are, there are personality benefits to being like that. Right. But there are also downsides. Um, and so there are things that we can do to help support the anxiety, um, the anxiety sort of issues. Passion flower is a great uh, supplement that can help produce GABA. It's a nice herb. You can get it in a tincture. I used to take a little bit of this at night just to kind of help me like wind down, especially if I had a, a day where maybe somebody was mad at me or something, you know, that used, that really gets me going when somebody's mad at me. It like makes my anxiety just completely flare. I start thinking about like, Oh, does, you know, nobody like me. That's my, when I get anxious, that's what I go to. Nobody likes me. Um, so, uh, it's silly, like in the light of day. Right. But like, I really have had some like tough nights thinking about nobody liking me. Um, and that's anxiety. So passion flower always helps with that. Um, there are some other products too, that are a little bit stronger that I really, really like. Um, you know, um, L-theanine is also a really good product for reducing anxiety and helping to produce GABA. I, and there are several blends out there. I'll link to some of my favorite ones. Um, but it's a good, it's a good thing to kind of lean on a little bit in the evening if you're having struggles with that and it can sort of help you to relax and fall asleep. Um, but it's important to note that if you're having to do this every night or very regularly, uh, there's probably other things going on that are deeper problems that need to be fixed. Like this should be something that's like occasional, right? So occasionally I have anxiety that prevents me from falling asleep, but most nights I sleep really, really well. I fall asleep really, really well. So I would keep a journal and make note of nights when you're having problems falling asleep. If it's happening more than a couple times you know, a month, and there's probably something deeper happening that needs to be looked at. And diet and nutrition definitely play a role in that. So it's important to kind of, um, to kind of pay attention to that. So, uh, that's neurotransmitters. There's other things that could be going on with neurotransmitters, but I find that GABA is by far like the most common reason for sleep issues. And, um, last thing, and this is important for women who have hormonal issues, estrogen dominance. Uh, estrogen dominance that can cause sleep issues like you would not believe so um, if you have estrogen dominance you may or may not know you have estrogen dominance I'm just gonna put that out there our bodies produce estrogen on their own through the fat cells and then of course through our ovaries um, so if you are overweight it's very common to be estrogen dominant estrogen dominance is all about the balance of the hormones so they may not come out overly high on blood work, but it's the balance between how much estrogen is produced in a cycle and how much progesterone is produced in a cycle. So the best blood work you can get is to look at your progesterone after ovulation, like 10 days, um, into, you know, your 
uh, post-ovulatory, seven to 10 days past ovulation is a good time to look at your progesterone levels, compared to your estrogen levels and kind of see where you're at there. Um, a lot of women who have PCOS are estrogen dominant. A lot of women who have infertility issues are estrogen dominant. It's just super, super common to be estrogen dominant now. We live in this sort of society where like estrogen is coming at us from all different places. It's in plastics, it's in food, it's in water. You know, people flush their birth control pills down the sink or the toilet. So it's everywhere. Um, estrogen, we think of it as like, I mean, depending on who you talk to, estrogen's either like this wonderful magical thing or it's like this evil, evil thing. Estrogen's just estrogen. It's, it exists. It's necessary. It needs to be in a balance. Take it from somebody who no longer has her ovaries or uterus. You want estrogen. <laughs> you know, like I have dealt with estrogen dominant issues my entire life. It's one, it's one reason why I got an endometrial cancer as a young woman. Um, and the reason that I had to have everything removed. But at the same time, when those organs came out, you know, I definitely noticed a shift and uh, was very grateful when my doctors allowed me to, you know, go on, go on hormone replacement therapy because um, going surgically into menopause is uh, not easy on the body. So I feel like I have a unique perspective on how important estrogen is. Estrogen is like, I feel though it's a little bit like playing with fire. We, you know, if we can just keep the fire small, that's what we want, right? We want it to be in perfect balance. We want it to be in perfect harmony, but it's so easy in our modern day and age for the fire to get out of control. Um, so PCOS, this is common because the ovulations are not happening regularly or at all. And so you're making estrogen throughout that early part of the cycle, the follicular phase, estrogen is being made, but progesterone is only really made when, when an egg ovulates. And so if we're not ovulating, we're not getting that progesterone. Estrogen's like an upper and progesterone's a downer. So I think of estrogen as like, it gives you energy, but it also can cause anxiety if there's too much of it. Progesterone on the other hand can um, make you feel relaxed or it can make you feel depressed. When I was going through cancer, one of my treatments was to be on high dose progesterone therapy. And so I took a pill called Megase for several months. It was really, really strong progesterone. Um, it was, I was extremely tired and depressed during that time. Um, you know, it's, it's hard to describe. It's similar, a little bit similar to when you're kind of late term pregnant. Um, that sort of feeling, you know, if you've ever been pregnant where you're just kind of like, oh, you know, all you want to do is just like lay around and you just don't have energy for stuff. Progesterone kind of makes you like that. But in the typical menstrual cycle, the healthy menstrual cycle, it's a positive balance, right? So we've got this time in the early part where we're like really energetic. And then we've got this time uh, towards the end where we're kind of sleepy and recovering and just giving ourselves a break. We want the balance. If the balance is off, it can cause this anxiety and this excess of energy, which can then connect to cortisol issues and connect to GABA issues and stuff like that. So I often see these things kind of play together. So again, with hormone issues, it's always important, just like with cortisol and just like with neurotransmitter problems to look deeper. And um, oftentimes if we've got somebody who's estrogen dominant, we've got issues with um, inflammation in the body. We've got issues with um, gut health, we've got issues with adrenals, so there's a lot that could potentially be going on. 
If you have any of those three things happening and you feel like, yeah, that sounds like me, this is when you really need more specialized help. So there's some stuff you can do on your own, of course. Like I, I want people to feel empowered to take on their own health. Um, but at the same time, you know, you may need an outside perspective to kind of look at, okay, what do we need to do? Like, do we need to detox some of this estrogen? Um, DIM is a great product for that, but I don't like to um, mess with hormonal stuff too much without a professional's help, just because especially if you're going to be going through fertility treatments, like a lot of you who listen to me are, you don't really want to mess around with things unless you know what you're doing. Um, just to make sure that you kind of have the best success rate. So you always got to talk to your doctor about these things, talk to your nutrition professional, whoever's working with you um, and all that. But um, that's kind of all I really wanted to talk about today about sleep. I hope that's helpful for you all. I am going to be um, covering um, some different kind of topics as the year wraps up. We are, I'm working on a podcast with a, another uh, dietitian who we're going to be talking about MLMs and kind of predatory marketing practices of MLMs. So that'll be interesting. I've got some stuff coming up next year with a great fertility acupuncturist and um, just some other things in the works. So there's going to be some fun stuff coming in 2021 and um, we will also definitely do a wrap up of 2020 episode. So uh, definitely, if you guys don't do so already, follow me on Instagram at Amber Fisher Nutritionist. That's where I'm the most active and you can kind of get to know me a little bit and uh, see what I'm up to. And then if you have questions for the podcast, please send an email to an Amber a day podcast at gmail.com. I love getting questions from viewers. It helps me formulate what I'm going to talk about on the podcast. So I appreciate all of your participation and all that. Um, and I hope everybody has a really, really good Christmas. If you don't hear another podcast from me until then, um, yeah, I'll talk to you guys later. Have a good one. If you learned something today or you enjoyed today's episode or both, I'd love it if you would leave me an iTunes review and share this with a friend. If this brought up a question for you that you would like to hear me answer, there is a Google form that you can use to ask me any question you want, and I might answer it here on the podcast. I do it all the time, and I would love to hear from you. Thanks so much for listening. See you next time.